scripture lesson this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I'll be reading from chapter 49, verses 22 and 23. Listen now for God's word as it comes to you and for you. Thus says the Lord God, I will soon lift up my hand to the nations and raise my signal to the peoples. And they shall bring your sons in their bosom. And your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers. And their queens your nursing mothers. And with their faces to the ground, they shall bow down to you. And lick the dust off your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. As we prepare to receive this proclamation, let us bow our heads and pray together. Holy God, with fear and trembling, with eagerness and expectation, we approach your holy word. Grant us the humility to hear what we need. The patience to wait for your words to come alive. the grace to share the good news with someone else, the time to be present with you on this day and forevermore. Amen. The title of the message this morning is Ice Cream at Christmas. One of the unexpected joys of moving from a ninth floor apartment downtown just a few blocks from here Moving from there to a neighborhood in Oak Cliff was hearing the sounds of an ice cream truck again. It's been almost four months since we settled in, and since then I have heard that unmistakable that's the signal that an ice cream truck is here. Each time my two youngins have put their hands out for some money, and they've jumped on their bikes, and, and they've gone barreling down the street like they are first responders to an emergency. And if their mother, if their mother had seen me on the sidewalk yelling at them to just do whatever it takes to find the truck, if she'd heard me, this story would have ended very differently, and it probably would not be included in this sermon. Ice cream's also at the Tom Thumb, just two blocks away. The same ice cream that's in the truck. She'd tell me that there isn't any reason for them to ignore all of the stranger danger training. No reason for them to roll through stop signs in haste, chasing after the ice cream truck. There's no reason to potentially get lost on their return. And she's right, of course, but the of an ice cream truck is the siren song of children and easily distracted adults like me. There is nothing that I could do. My case would be stronger if on any of the three occasions when I've encouraged my youngins to drop everything and go at the sound of the ice cream is near signal, My case would be stronger if they'd come back with some ice cream. 
But both times, or all three times, they returned disappointed and empty-handed after 15 minutes of riding all the streets around our home, some of them twice, others three times. What is it about an ice cream truck song that makes it easy to hear but hard to track down? They said that while they chased, they never stopped hearing that But no matter how hard and fast they rode, the song, the ice cream signal, was everywhere in general and nowhere in particular. In Isaiah 49, God says to God's people that soon they will hear a signal. The signal will be evident in a great reversal of fortune. The kings and queens of Rival nations exiled that exiled God's people from their sacred city of Jerusalem and destroyed their house of worship and scattered families apart from each other in captivity. These kings and queens, God says, will soon be carrying their daughters on their shoulders, their sons in their bosom. God says that soon these same powerful autocratic Rulers that ruined their lives would come kissing their feet. The Babylonian queens and kings would bring the children back to God's people like a foster parent to a birth family. And they'd know God was at work, making things right when their daughters could be seen smiling on the shoulders of their ruthless captors. God's telling the the restless exiles that you won't miss the signal that God is near because the sound of restoration will be obvious and as close as the sound of your own children. No more riding around the streets trying to find out where that sound is coming from. It will be as close as the sound of your kids. This wasn't the first time God promised restoration to the Israelites. The prophet Isaiah frequently broadcasts God's promises to the despairing and exiled people. Here are a few examples. In chapter 27, the exiles are told that in the days to come, Jacob shall take root and Israel shall blossom and put forth shoots and fill the whole world with fruit. In chapter 33, God announces that now I will rise. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. And in chapter 35, God vows that the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign shall flee away. A signal that God is coming near. You will not miss it. Considering the circumstances, well, considering the circumstances the Israelites were in, promises like these sound naively audacious and a little melodramatic. If you're in exile, socially distanced from your family, collectively quarantined in spirit, 
from the parts of normal life now considered a health risk. Quietly withdrawing and adapting in ways that don't make you comfortable. If that's you, the persistent promises that soon, soon, that sound you hear will be up close. That soon it's going to be all good. Well, those promises will start to sound like a signal that is everywhere in general, but nowhere in particular. The prophet tells us in chapter 61 that God is good news to the oppressed, but for them there's been nothing but bad news for the marginalized. And God's people are told that soon there will be gladness instead of mourning. But what about right now? They should ask, how many more tears must be shed today and hours of lonely grieving endured today for the loss of life? In Isaiah, God's people are told that soon they'll be waiting for praise instead of a faint spirit. The garments of salvation are on the way. Robes of righteousness are scheduled for delivery. And on deck is praise springing up before all nations. I don't know about you, but I can't blame the exiles if the of the promised signals starts to sound like more background noise. You know, considering the circumstances, if I was being held captive Far from home, I'd be more quick to jump on board if God just promised to comfort us and protect us from the world. If that's it, I'm more likely to believe God's right around the corner than if I hear God making these promises that everything will not just be made all right, but the whole world as you know it will be turned upside down. I'd get with it if God merely suggested that an escape to heaven was available once we die. Bide your time. Lay low. Before long, there'll be streets paved with gold. That'd be an acceptable compromise if, if I was in those circumstances, distanced from home for years and years and years, generation after generation, Considering the circumstances, I'd tell all my people about the God that promises a future in which nothing is the same. Kings and queens kiss the feet of their captives. Roles are reversed. The lowly are lifted up. The proud are brought down low. If for right now I'd be left alone to just be best friends with Jesus. Just give me that. Considering the present circumstances. But God, God has different plans. God is intent to be in this world with us. And it can be disappointing to hear God sound like a friend that's always late but has good news. It can be disappointing to hear God sound like a friend that's always late but has a good excuse. Well, I'm on my way. I'm stuck in traffic. I'm almost there. Had to stop and run for an errand. Sorry I couldn't get by today. Something came up 
I'll be there tomorrow. The friend always eventually shows up, but he or she never fails to make you wait. And over time, you lose patience and conclude that your friend doesn't respect you enough to tell you the truth about when they'll be showing up and the two of you break up. The promises they make to be there sound more and more like a song that is everywhere in general, but nowhere in particular. But the difference between your perpetually late friend and God is that God is intent to keep coming, whether we choose to keep waiting or we give up. In person, fully human, fully divine, to believe that the Son of God was with us enough to be like us means that you cannot love Jesus, the Jesus that washed the feet of his disciples without also noticing his own dusty feet Things take time. His feet are worn out for making the journey around the Sea of Galilee, down the road from Jericho, through the streets of Jerusalem. Walking takes time. And it means you can't find hope in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead without also noticing that he slowly wept when he heard of his friend's death. Sadness comes slowly, doesn't it? And it's just as slow to leave. And to believe that the Son of God was with us enough to be like us means that you can't bear witness to the sudden miracle of His birth at Christmas without also observing that unmiraculous people like us, shepherds, parents, Wise men, they were still called on to confirm that God was here. God's always been intent to be in this slow-moving world full of hard-headed people that frequently give up when it gets tough and are prone to bouts of laziness to stop chasing the story we celebrate at Christmas is the light came into darkness, but there's another part of the story that we would be foolish to ignore. God reminds us through the prophet that God saw the darkness and still came to live in it. In exile, the darkness looked like mothers separated from their children. In exile, the darkness looked like children separated from each other. The darkness looked like cruel abuses of power by kings and queens. The darkness looked like the dehumanization of certain people groups as a prelude to state-sponsored genocide. In exile, the darkness looked like the ignorance of human suffering for the benefit of political agendas. And if you made it this far with me today, you may be wondering what we can do 
about the darkness besides waiting. And God's response to our timely question was to get on with it. Knowing death happens in darkness, all of God, Creator, Son, Holy Spirit, all of God still came and is still coming. And so our charge is to be like the kids. To never stop believing that God is right around the corner. To never stop listening for the signal that God has come near again. And we may not find God every time that we go to locate the source of the song that sounds like a sacred movement. But still, God says, go, find me. I'm at work, light in darkness. Still we go to find God in the darkness and the light, the extraordinary and the mundane, the good news and the bad. Even when the sanctuary is empty of people. Still we go to find God. In the name of God, Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our weekly sermon podcast here at First Presbyterian Church of Dallas.